Blog Talk Radio. Recap Radio Show for this Sunday afternoon, the 25th of September, 2016. I'm JB. EJ's got the Sunday off. Ryan's also got the Sunday off. I'll be joined momentarily by our good friend Michael Barron. We'll be talking Mets baseball. We'll look at the week of Mets baseball, what's been going on, and uh, what to expect in the last week of the season. Certainly, the Mets find themselves in a position uh, not many people expected a little as a month ago now. Uh, as they maintain their lead in the wild card and um, are looking at a week of fighting for their playoff lives. And so I, th- I think for a team that uh, I've said on many occasions, probably with this roster should be about five games under 510 games off the wild card. Here we are. Playoff baseball is looming in the, in the breach. Uh, the next week is 100% definitive and uh, we will head into the uh, October baseball and in more ways than one, of course, since uh, you know, the season will overlap into October. So October baseball will happen. The question is, will we extend to a wild card game? Will we make it past the wild card game? And most importantly, who on earth is going to be pitching for these New York Mets? Uh, certainly the majority of the kitty core, as they probably would like not to be called, um, have been pitching well. A dominant performance today after a shaky first inning from uh, Robert Gazelman. And uh, I think that uh, he has proven that he does belong in this rotation at this point. Um, certainly Seth Lugo has been more than serviceable. Um, and uh, Noah Syndergaard uh, of strep throat fame uh, probably has the begging of his teammates. Please, please, please never get sick again. What do we need to do to protect you after um, his replacements yesterday in uh, the form of uh, Sean Gilmartin and uh, Rafael Montero give up? 10 runs on his behalf uh, before the two of them were pulled from the ball game. Now, the positive thing to that is after the Mets were down 10, nothing yesterday uh, between the remainder of yesterday's game and today, they scored 25 unanswered runs uh, coming within two runs of a comeback yesterday, uh, losing 10 to eight to Philadelphia and then um, winning quite definitively um, 17 to nothing. The largest uh, shutout victory in New York Mets history uh, per some of my sources that are far more knowledgeable about it than I am. Uh, that all being said, as we uh, bring in our good friend, Michael Barron, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't start the show off without really concentrating a little bit on the New York Mets and looking down South. Uh, certainly one of the most tragic baseball stories I can think of in all of my years um, following the sport occurred today as um the, the phenom, the star, the superstar, ace of the Miami Marlins, Jose Fernandez, tragically dead at 24 in a boating accident. Michael, I don't know about you, but I, I, I had to look at three or four news reports before I could even believe it, and they were all reliable. Yeah, no, I agree. I I saw it um, first from, I think, Andy Slater. And I was, I mean, you know, he's, he's pretty good. You know, I think he could be considered reliable. You know, but then... You know, I saw Clark Spencer from the Miami Herald uh, say the same thing. And then, I mean, at that point, you knew that it was, you know, something terrible had happened. And it really is terrible. It's terrible for, um, 
you know, his family, it's terrible for the Marlins, terrible for the sport. I mean, you know, look, this is a, you know, just think about it from a, a, a league perspective for just for a second. You know, this is a sport that, you know, has lacked, you know, a lot of um, identity with the younger players and the younger, younger generation of fans rather. You know, Jose Fernandez is one of the, you know, one of those personalities who, you know, was able to connect with young fans, especially young, you know, Hispanic and Cuban communities, you know, in that part of, of Florida. And, you know, to lose that is just tragic for the, really just tragic for the sport. It's obviously a tragic and terrible and saddening story, but, you know, I think it has far more recent effects than just, you know, just being a sad case. You know, it's, it's really just a terrible day for baseball, you know, and, you know, I feel terrible for his family, you know, you know, they struggled so struggled so much, you know, just to be in this country, let alone be successful in this country. And, you know, it's just, you know, I can't imagine what they're going through right now. You know, I think, I mean, you know, looking at, you know, obviously it's something that does happen occasionally. I mean, it happened a couple of years ago with uh, a New York Met uh, farmhand, Alex Cole, um, yeah. oh, Brian Cole, excuse me. Um, and extremely, you know, extremely tragic scenario of a kid who never quite made it and probably would have been a future all-star, um, you know, Jose Fernandez was an all-star. Yeah. Uh, he was a rookie of the star. year. And, you know, the reality of it is, I, I think, you know, and it's always hard to predict with a pitcher, especially one who's 24, because of things that, that can go wrong. But I think Jose Fernandez was on a a path of Hall of Fame career-type status. And that's, well, I mean, sure. you know, and that's, you know, the, the, the loss, Obviously, is most paramount to the family and to his and his co you know his players, the other players on the team. But you know, you do look as a baseball fan, and I'm a baseball fan who loves watching a good pitcher. And you know, it's just all the humanity aside. You know, we've probably been robbed of 15 years of amazing, amazing pitching from this kid, and that's all like secondary and third. You know, to the the things that everybody else has already discussed. I mean, the kid has. I mean, his story. You know, barring the ending, of course, is the stuff of movies. It's 100% the stuff of motion picture. I mean, the fact that he, you know, three times attempted to escape from Cuba, jail time each time, finally, you know, finally escapes. You know, I mean, to tell the story all over today, you know, you know, he saves his own mother's life while on the boat to, to come here. I mean, and, and then to die in a boating accident. Uh, it's just, I mean, everything about it is 100% um, sad. Um, it's tragic, and you know, I, I just, you know, baseball is 100% uniform in in their in their sadness about this and their tributes. There's not a lot of guys that you hear 100% positive things about. Jose Fernandez yeah. was one of those guys. Well, and and what he, like you said, what he's been through, and don't forget, you know, just his baseball story too, where. You know, if you recall in 2013, the Marlins promoted him out of strength training to the major leagues, having not played a day over single A, and everybody thought they were out of their minds for doing it. And he did nothing but become a superstar right out of the gate. You know, he was an instant All Star. He was an instant Cy Young contender. He was dominant at home. He's 29 and two with a 149 ERA in 40 some odd starts at Marlins Park. And then on top of all that, he missed a year with Tommy John. And so. His story is just absolutely incredible, but and for it to end like this is just, just a damn shame. It's horrible. It's, you know, every I think everybody, anyone you talk to, I don't think any, you don't even have to be a baseball fan. You tell that story to somebody, and it's really saddening. It's just, it's 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 just horrible. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. 
because he yeah. was going to pitch against the Mets tomorrow. <laughs> I know that's the weird thing. I mean, originally he was scheduled to pitch today. They bumped him to Monday, and uh, right. you know, and he was going to face the Mets. And you know, it, that's the weirdest part. I mean, there's a couple, obviously, a lot of weirdness for the Mets side of it. And I don't, you know, certainly don't want to mention the Mets side of it to uh, you know take attention away from you know what deserves to be it. But it's certainly one of those surreal things. The other surreal thing for me is that uh, you know it, it harkens back to, of course, 1993 for me uh, when the, you know, the Cleveland Indians suffered their tragedy with a boating accident during spring training, yeah. which took the life of Tim Cruz, Steve Olin, and nearly killed uh, the former Met Bobby Ojeda. That's true, yeah. I forgot about that one. Um, in but fact, I think uh, Keith, Hernandez said, Keith Hernandez said I'm during sorry. the broadcast that he had just texted Bobby this morning after everything just to say, hey, I hope you're all right and we're glad you're here. And huh. I'll tell you, there's one thing I never thought I'd see is that the you know the emotionalness that uh, Keith of all people displayed on the broadcast at the, at the top yeah. of it today. But you know, I missed that part of it. But I was told I was told about that portion of the broadcast where he and Gary Cohen, you know, nearly you know lost their composure. Which you know that's the way you know most people don't you know, haven't really you know don't get to see that side of them, but. You know, they're really actually, you know, great human beings too. I mean, you know, Keith is just as eccentric and funny on, off the field as he is on it, but he's also a very emotional person, very passionate about ball. And you know, the the his peers, so to speak, in in the context of players. And you know, I'm sure you know it's this kind of hit home with him a little bit. You know, especially you know, like you said with Bobby Ojeda, I, I totally forgot about that that event and. You know, but it doesn't surprise me that they, you know, were so emotional on, on camera because they really are, really are passionate about baseball and its players just in general. Well, as I always say, I, I am a, a a Mets fan at heart, but more than anything, I am a fan of baseball. Um, and you know, the, the reality of it is, is you know, I love a good pitch ball game. I am one of those mm-hmm. guys. I love a good pitcher's duel. I love a good game like that. And you know. Jose Fernandez, it's not like when you would lose to Jose Fernandez uh, that you could do really anything other than tip your cap to him because the reality of it is is you knew you were beat by one of the best. It wasn't it wasn't a situation where the guy called up from AAA yesterday to take so-and-so's place in the rotation, you know, caught you off guard and you got shut out. Now, this is one of the best shutting you, shutting you down. And uh, you, all you could do is tip your cap when you go, well, we got beat by Jose Fernandez. What are we supposed to do with that other than tip your cap? His slider was one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, when he was on it, he had that game against the Mets in Marlins Park earlier this year where he struck out, what, 14 or 15 batters in seven innings or something, and his slider was just unhittable. I mean, he might as well throw in a perfect game against them that game. He was just remarkably out of this world. And I think one of the one of the things that, you know, really, you know, really struck, struck me with him just watching was just a pure enjoyment of the game when he was pitching. He was smiling and laughing, and he was so animated out there. And he was into getting into it with the catcher, and he was joking around with, the, with his with his teammates while pitching. And he was able to be dominant, you know, while doing that. And I always found that to be very remarkable about about him. And I I've seen him pitch many times at City Field. I think I saw him once. I think I saw him once in Miami. I can't remember. Um, and every time he was just electric. I mean, the stats also say that he owned the Mets. Um, but you know, it's he's going to be missed. There aren't too many people, weren't too many players like him. And um, 
it's just an amazing event. I, I can't believe it. You know, you, you hate to see these things happen, especially good people. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, you you do have to, you know, the, and, and many of the, you know, even at the press conference today that the Marlins had, you know, they they were very you know, determined that we're going to go out there tomorrow, we're going to play again, and you know, we're going to mm-hmm. play on on, you know, this is what Jose would want. I mean, the man loved the game. I don't doubt that one iota from everything I've heard of him, both today oh, yeah. and b- beforehand. Uh, you know, but obviously the Mets are in a playoff hunt. You, you do have to wonder. Boy, you know what to expect. I mean, it's it's a surreal, very surreal situation. In that one, the entirety of baseball fandom is going to be rooting against the Mets the next three days, uh, and I totally get why. Uh, you know, obviously we're in a playoff hunt, and uh, you know we 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 need the wins. But uh, this is a very bizarre situation. As somebody pointed out, this is what it must have felt like to be the Braves when they came into New York uh, on you know September of two thousand one to an extent. Because, you know, and it wasn't so much, you know, obviously it's a much different occurrence. It's one person, not 3,000. But, um, you know, it's, you know, the, I, I understand the, the different, you know, the emotion and the fact that, you know, this groundswell of emotion, you know, you don't know exactly where, you know, where, where in their heads the Marlins are. Are they going to be, you know, have a new sense of determination to win this one for Jose? Or are they, or are they just simply going to be too lost in their morning and not be in the game at all? Um, you know, and I hate to say which way is it going to be, but these are the guys we have to play the next three days, and you know, to an extent, for a multitude of reasons, it really sucks. You know, it's it's funny because I was thinking when all this went down, I was what happened, and I saw the images of what had happened, you know, in the water over those rocks, and I was thinking, boy, if they just hadn't bumped him, you know, I mean, maybe he wouldn't have been on that boat. You know, I mean, I guess I you never know, too, but, yeah. you know, and it's, and I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what you're going to get out of the Marlins. You know, it's their, their, it's a different state of affairs for them. And, you know, the Mets have business to take care of, but, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a funny game to watch tomorrow and a fascinating one too. And I really hope that Major League Baseball, you know, does, does something like you know, or you know, the Marlins and the Mets rather, um, wear like number sixteen jerseys with no name on it, or wear Fernandez jerseys just to honor him and just to respect him. I think that would be the perfect touch for that game tomorrow. I really do. Yeah, and I think you know, it's certainly you know, obviously that um, the, the you know the Mets and and you know did their part to honor him today, and uh, you know with uh, um, you know, Ioannis and, and the and the jersey. Yeah, certainly it, it's going to be a very interesting, very surreal kind of uh, kind of day. But again, baseball does go on just as Jose mm-hmm. Fernandez would want to do it. And as I've pointed out several times, kind of transitioning to what's going on with the New York Mets, this is a team with this roster, in my opinion, should be five games under 500, 10 games off the wild card. And here we are firmly, you know, not quite firmly in the driver's seat of the wild card, but we're in this, and this is a yep. very important last week of the season. And the kitty core, if you will, is cleaning up. Yeah, I mean, T.J. Rivera has been remarkable. He has a 350 plus on base percentage. I don't know what it was, you know, at the close of business today, but I know at one point today it was a 356. You know, Gasolman is the, and what you saw today is, you know, the very essence of what you're talking about, where, you know, guys out of nowhere, Guys who weren't even on the radar, 
we didn't even know who they were six months ago um, are factoring in big time in this race. And, you know, they're being, they're, they've been very successful. Now it may just be lightning in a bottle, who knows, but you know, you're getting huge contributions from people who never like Gasselman Lugo, maybe Gabrielle, you know, to a, to a lesser extent, um, guys who weren't ever going to factor in at all this year. And if this roster, I mean, I was talking to, to Matt Cerrone earlier this week and we were just chatting and I, I said to him, if this team just gets to the wild card game, the season is a resounding success and everything after that is gravy. And he totally agreed. And, you know, for the reasons we're talking about, it's a very, it's a team that's definitely overachieving. You know, I agree this team should be nowhere near a playoff race right now. And somehow, they are, and I don't even think that it's that St. Louis and, and the Giants haven't played well. I mean, they haven't played well, but the Mets are have won two-thirds of the last six weeks. And when you play that well, regardless of who's on the roster, you're going to be in the race at the end. And then to look at the roster and say, who's that guy, who's that guy? TJ who, you know, and it's, but it's true. And they're there, and it's amazing, I, it's, and it's fun to watch, too. Because the team, this roster should have zero expectations, and they're exceeding everyone's just everyone's minimum expectation. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, certainly some. I mean, the reality of it is, that somebody put it, uh, after uh, Noah was scratched from the start yesterday. Um, somebody posted a uh, one of the a, um, a graphic from ABC's new series, the uh, designated survivor. And in place of Kiefer Sutherland, they had pasted Bartolo Colon's head on it. I mean, if you had told me in, in April, my last man standing the last week of the season is Bartolo Colon, um, I would have been like, well, what's he not, why is he not in the bullpen? I mean, Wheeler should be in the rotation by then. I mean, this is a team that's lost four of six of its expected starters, um, essentially three of its infielders. I mean, due to being back, I mean, he's back, but he's not going to make the postseason roster, let's be honest. He's just too rusty. Um, I mean, unless he catches fire this week, absolute fire. I don't well, see him making the postseason roster even. But still, even if he does, he's just now come back. He missed most of the season. And, yeah. you know, you've had two of one of the most spectacular regressions that I've ever seen on a team in Travis Darno and you know, until, thankfully, the last couple of days, Michael Conforto, um, that I, you know, this, there's nothing about this team that screams, hey, playoffs. And I I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like, you know, it's going to feel really good if we make that wild card game, but I am going to have a tremendous time being disappointed if somehow they just fall short. Now, it was disappointing in 07 when they fell short, disappointing in 08 when they fell short. This, to me, they have no business being there, and they're there. Um, The season is already a success to me, but uh, it would be a resounding success to play anything beyond game 162. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, but, and I agree that it would be disappointing, but it would be disappointing because it, it, you, want, you want a good story to get better. You, know, oh, you yes. don't want, you don't want, you know, a tragic ending to a, good, to, a great, to a great tale that we can tell our kids and grandkids, you know, 20 years from now that, hey, this, that, you should have seen the Mets in 2016 when they had World Series aspirations, lost 50% of their roster and the replaced Mets, so to speak, came in and played beyond expectations and rallied them to a wild card or a playoff or a division series, whatever, wherever they get to, you know, and then the story, you know, it's 
the story would only get better from there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, I'd be I'd be sad, but I wouldn't be angry. You know, I'd still I'd still say, you know what, this was a fun and interesting and fascinating six weeks. And you know, having having said all that, I think somehow they're going to get to the wild card game. I think the the schedule's in their favor. Um, I think, you know, the the I don't think the Cardinals have the easiest schedule next week. I mean, they're playing the Reds starting tomorrow, um, and the Giants don't certainly don't have an easy schedule. So I think somehow, you know, with the Mets who who they're facing over the next week, you know, will find a way to get. It. I think I think they'll get that game at home too. I I, I believe they're going to win the top wild card seed. I have a quiet confidence in that. I, I agree with you. Uh, and, you know, this is notwithstanding anything that occurred today, but I, 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 my heart has been broken too many times at the hands of the Florida Marlins um, yeah, I know. to have it being an outright confidence. Um, that it's like, it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to the wild card. You know, if it's in San Francisco, I'm driving down there, that kind of confidence. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, I, I'm not quite there, but like I said, it's it's more because I, I just uh, just too many times down that road of playing them the last week of the season, and our hopes are on the line, and they just find a way to dash them and find <laughs> and take tremendous pleasure in doing so at that. But um, I, you know, I think they they do you know they definitely love playing the spoiler down there. And again, you know, obviously, you know that that was an attitude I had before the events of today. So I mean, it's. You know, neither here nor there, as, and nobody knows how you know things will change. But um, I do agree. We have the more favorable schedule. Um, the uh, it's it certainly I, I like how we're playing right now. I like the way that the bats really came alive against the Phillies' horrible mm-hmm. pitching. I, I really liked how they did against substandard pitching. Now, certainly, uh, you know, you'd like to see them do that against quality pitching too. Uh, but uh, you know, a seventeen to nothing win uh, going into the last week of the season—it's a nice way to start the week. Yeah, and they really needed this game too. They needed a laugh, or they needed length out of the starter, and they got all of that. And they didn't have to worry about spending their their a their a relievers because Selman was—he he gave the Mets his but the best start of his career to date. I mean, that was just a fantastic effort, albeit against the Phillies. But the Phillies. You know, the Phillies' offense has come around a little bit in the last week, and he completely shut him down. And I didn't even think, you know, I didn't even think his stuff early on anyway was particularly good. But, you know, they got what they needed today. You know, the bullpen is rested. You know, the A guys, anyway, are rested two days in a row. Um, you know, they have the off day on Thursday. So they should be okay going into the week. I mean, they're going to hit some dicey territory, you know, with when – you know, a spot in the rotation comes back around, so they're going to need all those, may need all those arms again. But um, I think they they have things lined up the way they need to have them lined up. It would be nice. I, I mean, I did, I'm not sure. No, the, they announced Cologne going to pitch tomorrow, so it sounds like, you know, they'll have Syndergaard in there on Tuesday, which means if they may, they could possibly skip Syndergaard next Sunday if the game doesn't matter, which will save them for the wild card game. So I think things are the stars are starting to align for them. The Mets' magic number is down to six against the Giants because they have the tiebreaker. So and while it doesn't mean much, the Giants are currently down in their game, but obviously that's there's much to be played, and it's a one nothing lead for the Padres. So yeah. not counting that particular chicken at the moment. 
Right. So, I mean, but if the Padres win, which that would be just a horrible series for the Giants, you know, the Mets' magic number would be down to five. And the earliest possibly they could could actually mathematically clinch a tie as early as Tuesday if, you know, the Mets win the next two and the Giants lose the next two. So, um, you know, things may start to look a little bit better over the next few days, especially the Giants' bullpen is just painfully awful. And, you know, Uh, know, like I said, they're – in watching no, some of these say, games you know, the past few days, wow, you're not kidding. Yeah, and and that's against the Padres, and I believe they're playing the Dodgers this week. If I'm not mistaken, again, right? So, and that's a really uh, yeah. The last three games of the season are in San Francisco because I know that that uh, that those are the last three games that uh, Vince Scully is doing next weekend. Right, and so you know, you know, the, the Dodgers will have the division wrapped up by them, but they're not going to lay down for the Giants. Like that's a heated rivalry and they need, you know, they're going to, they're going to care about those games, you know, especially if it knocks, if it can break the Giants heart. So, um, you know, it's not going to get any easier for that bullpen, which is really terrible. And quite frankly, I would, if, 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 get a gun to, if someone put a gun to my head and said, which team would you rather play in a wild card game? I would say the Giants because of that bullpen. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, if you look at it, really, I mean, if you think about it, all the all the teams coming into the wild card uh, possibility, the Cardinals, the Mets, and the Giants, are all pretty imperfect teams. At the same time, mm-hmm. as I keep pointing out to people, the team with the worst record in, of all the playoff teams last year made it to the World Series and got within three wins of winning it all. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> so I mean, but, uh, I mean, and people the, the people ask, definitely... like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think the Mets were in a little bit better shape from a pitching perspective last year. But, um, yeah. you know, I, you get in and roll the dice because it's complete crapshoot from there. And the thing, too, I mean, with, with, the, uh, with the Mets and how, and, you know, how they line up and how, you know, how this potentially plays out, you know, when we talked about it, now when everybody was still healthy back in the spring, I did predict I felt the Mets would make the playoffs, and from there anything could happen because just it was so wacky last year. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I could see the Mets getting bounced in the wild card game, and I could see them winning it all and anything in between. I mean, it's just one of those things because this team consistently has surprised me this last six weeks, and they've gotten hot at the right time. And typically, it's not the best team that wins the World Series. It's the team that gets hot at the right time. That being said, right. the Cubs and, are as hot as we are. Right. And, you know, and just think there have been plenty of, team, plenty of teams. Just think, think about the 73 Mets for a second. You know, when they got to games, a team that was in last place on September 1st and made it all the way to Game 7 of the World Series against the PNCAs and arguably could have won it with some better decision-making. So, um, like you said, it may not be the best team, and I think the Mets proved that last year. It's the hottest team and the luckiest team, so to speak. And the Mets right now are both been both hot and lucky, you know, despite some of their bad luck with the roster. So, as you said, just get in, roll the dice from there, because everything else, everything else beyond that wild card game to me is gravy. Yeah, that's one of those things. I've compared the season a lot of times to 1987, the year after the Mets won the World Series, of course. And um, the, the thing for me has always been with that is that you know you think of that season as such a dismal failure. They didn't make the playoffs the year after, decimated by injuries to the point they pulled Tom Seaver out of retirement to try and come back. Uh, mm-hmm because the pitching was so, so decimated. Uh, but at the same point, that team still won 90 games, and if there'd been a wild card at that point, they would have had it. That's yeah, what we would have been in. So, so I really look at, I mean, the more and more I look at it, 
the more and more of these 1987 comparisons come into play. Although I got to tell you, I mean, last thing before we kind of wrap up here, um, you know, I've been really impressed with these guys that have come in out of nowhere, but by golly, I am with everybody else. These 40 man expansions have to go. <laughs> I'm not sure the Mets are still a wild card team though, without the expanded roster. I mean, I think Terry has gotten, you know, too, uh, too trigger happy with, with the roster, with the number of people he's used. And I think it's made him make some bad decisions. Um, but, you know, I, I tend to agree. I don't think it's fair. And, you know, in a week, Terry's not going to have, you know, so many toys to play with on his roster. So, you know, he needs to start to, you know, maybe play with them a little less and get used to not having them. But, uh, yeah, I agree, generally speaking. Um, you know, this 40-man roster thing, um, in September is really about tradition and not particularly functional. And it's, you know, certainly destroying the pace of pay pace of play initiative and, you know, maybe giving teams like the Mets, you know, you want to call it extra opportunities, you know, extra, you know, e- you know, extra weapons to use, um, an ability to withstand the Gil Martin game, you know, things like that. You know, yeah, I mean, it's probably not a fair thing in a pennant race. But um, I don't know that it's going to go away. Um, I know there's been talk of it, but, you know, it's just I, it's one of those things I just don't see going away. I'd be surprised if it did. Yeah, I'd be interested to see whether, you know, it, it, I, I could see two scenarios that worked. One would be cutting it back to you could only call up, say, 30 players or going to a similar scenario during September that uh, – you know, that they have during with the NFL where you have to declare a certain amount of active players and a certain amount of how to mm-hmm. be inactive. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just seems like, you know, we had a 17 nothing game today, and, boy, it felt like it dragged on there in the end even because of all the lineup changes, the pitching changes. But, um, you know, one of the things, the last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up for the day, um, you know, even, of course, we you know spent the week losing three, you know, three straight to the Braves at home, and uh, that, that sure didn't feel good. So it was nice to beat up on the Phillies afterwards. Um, I know you and Matt discussed on his uh, podcast. I want to just get your take a little bit about it. You know, is is Terry playing for his job this week, in your opinion? And whether or not he keeps it, is there any type of shakeup coming that you think? Well, I don't know necessarily if Terry's playing for his job. I mean, I think he has to have a remarkably bad week to not be brought back, you know, given the state of the roster and, you know, the fact that he really has done a phenomenal job of shielding that clubhouse from the noise as he normally does and all of the negativity surrounding the injuries and the, you know, all the cynicism, he's just been fantastic at that since Sandy hired him. But, you know, I don't think there's any debate that his in-game decisions are, have been lackluster at best. Now, you know, I do attribute a lot of that to the coaching staff. Um, I think there's a notable absence in that dugout, and that's Bob Garrett, you know, with all due respect to Dickie Scott. Um, I think, you know, his experience, his managerial experience, his um, scientific approach to baseball, and just being a great executive officer, Terry Collins, over the years, has really, well, I should say, has potentially, you know, impacted some of these bizarre decisions Terry has made this year. And, you know, when we saw, you know, with with the Wilmer Flores situation where he admitted to quote, forgetting to pinch run for him, you know, okay, fine. But I'm sure he's forgotten to do things before. And his coaching staff has said, Hey, you know, you got to pinch run for that guy or, you know, don't forget, you know, there are three lefties coming up, 
you know, guys to give him good advice, which he may not be getting right now. So um, I don't think it's totally on Terry, having said that. If he doesn't make get this team in the postseason, I do think there's a chance he could get fired. But I don't think in the end, you know, Sandy will do that. But I do think regardless of what happens, whether they get to the postseason or not, there's going to be a coaching shakeup because I don't think the team has been well coached even when they were healthy. I, I do agree. I do think that there is a coaching shakeup coming. I, I think uh, to me, at least in my opinion right now, I, I, I mean, again, barring a really bad week, and I mean, the Mets going, you know, six games remaining, the Mets going, you know, two and four, one and five, maybe it comes into play. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of what it would take, I think, in my mind, closer to one and five or zero oh and six. Uh, but um, I, I, I see, I see um, Terry as being generally safe. I see Dan Worthen as generally being safe. I yeah. see everybody else as fair game. I agree. Um, although I, I mean, it's it's hard to see necessarily Kevin Long getting the axe, and I say that because the offense is turned it around and they've scored a ton of runs over the last six weeks, which might have saved Kevin Long's Kevin Long's behind. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think he's, he, I certainly don't think he's on a stable ground as like Dan Warren, who um, once again, like turned nothing into gold with Gasolman, Lugo, you know, and, you know, some of these other guys as he normally does. So I think, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be back next year. Ultimately, like I said, unless Terry and the team fall on their face this week, like I think Terry's coming back, but I could see a new bench coach in there. I can see a new third base coach. I mean, it's hard. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see Goodwin being on shaky ground, I guess, but I mean, I guess you never know. There's also more than meets the eye, you know, stuff we don't know and don't hear about. You know, all we can do is react to what we see and what we hear, but you know, I think, like I said, everyone else is fair game. Totally agree. You know, I, I think that uh, you know, for my for my money, I I tend to think you're probably right on Kevin Long. I I he's probably the most safe of the ones I, you know, kind of listed as being fair game. I do think the mystery of Conforto and Darno, and of course the runners in scoring position, could ultimately do him in. But the further the Mets go, I think certainly the uh, more likely it is that he keeps his job. Michael, Matt, it is always a pleasure to spend some time with you and talk Mets baseball. And I love the fact that. Uh, it sounds like we may get to do some uh, postseason conversations. Yeah, that'd be uh, kind of cool. Once again, it was. It'd be nice to do it two years in a row. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah, especially because we started the show in two thousand and nine. You know, it's like starting a small business in the recession. That's kind of what I feel like we did here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind I'm kind of looking forward to the good things, and you know, at the same time, in the back of my head, you know, as good as everything is right now, it's still going. Can you imagine when we're more healthy in 2017? Uh, not that there aren't some nagging little things that are like, okay, where are they going to find the money for uh, Cespedes? You know, where are they going to find a way to figure out what to do about Jay Bruce? I mean, there's plenty of questions to be answered, but we don't have to worry about them this week. We're right. playing baseball. Yeah, and we might be playing baseball for the next couple of weeks, which is this time of year as it starts to get cold outside. I think that's a good conversation to have. You know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, I'm all for buying another playoff hoodie, you know? Yeah, and gloves, I'm happy. I'd love to be able to take my gloves to the ballpark. It's a great thing. Absolutely. Well, my friend, it's good talking to you, of course. At Michael G. Barron is the name on Twitter, and, uh, man, just always a pleasure. The same. Thanks for having me.
Absolutely. Michael Barron joining me today on the Happy Recap, uh, sitting in the spot normally occupied by EJ, of course. We'll be with you again next week. Uh, you'll need to follow the Happy Recap or me um, on Twitter to find out exactly when we'll be live. Because, of course, uh, Major League Baseball last year adopted that new tradition where all the games start at the same time at, on the last day of the season. Uh, so basically, um, it'll be starting at uh, right about uh, just as we'd be wrapping up. So we may do a pregame edition, uh, we may do one after the game, or we may take advantage of the off day on Monday and do the show on Monday. Just kind of keep an eye on the feed, and uh, we'll let you know what we're doing. Uh, anybody wants to know anything about the broadcast, the happy recap at gmail.com is our email address. You can find me at The Real Hoob on Twitter. You can find EJ at the, ha- uh, the Happy Recap, and of course our guest Michael Barron at Michael G. Barron, B-A-R-O-N, if you are not already familiar. Appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and for the better part of the week. And uh, with, all, um, yeah, with all our hearts uh, headed towards Miami, so are the Mets. And we certainly hope to win some ball games. So let's go Mets. 